Ah, greetings, B-movie aficionados. Hello, welcome to Couple of Flicks. I'm Tristan. I'm Nick. And I'm Zach. So we're reviewing every film on the bottom 100 IMDb list. And we are at 98. And never- Long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> we're climbing slowly but surely. So. But our lovely number 98 movie is... Exorcist 2, The Heretic, which is directed by, it's actually directed by a talented filmmaker, believe it or not, um, John Borman, who did, um, well, actually not all of his movies are good, but he directed Deliverance, which, you know, I would consider a, a 70s, like a good 70s movie, not one that I would really ever want to sit down and rewatch, but a good movie nonetheless. And he's also done some other movies that I like. You know, he did um, Emerald, Emerald, uh, Emerald Forest, which, uh, I mean, it's kind of a B movie, but I still enjoy it, you know. And there's some other things he's done too. But uh, somewhere along the way, though, he, he, uh, he was given the green light to, to do this one. And um, I don't know. Uh, okay, well, all right, before we talk about Exorcist 2, have either of you seen Exorcist 1? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, what are your thoughts on that one, real quick, just to kind of summarize? No, it's uh, amazing. I love it. Yeah. Good. 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 Yeah. What do you think of it? Uh, I like it. I personally think it's a little overrated, but still good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a scary one. Definitely a classic. And also, like William Friedkin, who directed the original, is is you know a, a legend. You know, really, there wasn't any reason to make a sequel. And as far as I know, the sequel really doesn't have, it has almost nothing to do with the original. There are some connections, but generally speaking, like this doesn't follow the original as far as I can tell. They connect a couple plot points to it and that's about it. Um, This, well, okay. Do you want to read the Wikipedia article or do you want to like read a plot summary? Cause so before that, I think like, it's on the, based on a book, right? I think so. The so, first one is anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What I gathered or what I thought was they like he, in this one, there's like a whole bunch of archeology span shit. Right. I think that's in like the first part. I, if I believe I could, I could be totally wrong in the right. first part of the book. And then the first Exorcist movie just cuts all of that out. Okay. So I think they're just <clears throat> taking more from the, I believe, I'm not 100% sure. Well, they're just taking that archaeology shit from the first part of the book and stuffing it in here. I mean, it's possible. However, like, there still wasn't a whole lot of archaeological, like, material in this. Like, no. it, it, was, it was pretty much the stuff that they cover in this was more or less already covered in the first movie. In like one scene. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So it just seemed kind of like pointless to even like, but whatever. I do know that William, that the the guy who wrote the book, The Exorcist, the first book, William Peter Blatty did write a, he he did write a book, another book that, actually he's written a bunch of books and he wrote another book that was called, um, I think it was called Legion, which was then, 
adapted into an, a sequel to The Exorcist called The Exorcist 3 Legion. But as far as I could tell, Exorcist 2 was written by nobody that was connected to the first one and appears to be its own entity. Um, in fact, I almost kind of get the sense that the reason it was made in the first place was because um, they were able to get uh, Linda Blair and, and Max von Sydow to, to return. I, I feel like that might, the, the fact that they were, that, that they were able to get the, those two in this movie might've actually been the only reason why this movie was made. Sydow was barely in it, I feel. He was barely in it, but- I could barely but, even tell because I thought it was just like flashbacks well, it, of the first movie and then his character younger by a different actor, right? Well, <laughs> well, here's the thing. So they do kind of, they do kind of cover that a little bit. They do kind of mention the fact that Father Marion, like, was sort of like doing his own thing at one point. But having said that, when they showed the scenes inside of the house with the the girl, who definitely was not Linda Blair, by the way, yeah, um, interacting with him, and they show him, that was definitely like new footage that they didn't film for the first film. And as far as I know, I, Von, Von Sydow, who he wasn't actually that old when he made the first one. He was only in his 40s. He, yeah. he donned the, the same makeup and the same wig and everything. So they and the same him in the first movie? Yeah, yeah, and they oldified him in the second movie. And he looked exactly the same. So, yeah. so, you know, good job actually making it seem like he was pretty much like doing the exact same. Like, I mean, he pretty much did the same exact thing that he did in the first movie. Only, obviously, the first movie was better because he did he had more material. Whereas in this movie, it was mostly flashbacks that were reshot as if they happened in the first movie. But then, like when you've seen the first movie, they're clearly not the same scenes. But whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And then Linda Blair, <clears throat> she came back. She didn't really do a whole lot in this, but she was kind of the main character. So you know, whatever. And uh, I guess she did all right, like performance-wise. You know, like I said, she didn't have anything to do, but whatever. But anyway, do you want to read the plot? Yeah. Um, okay. Philip Lamont, a priest struggling with his faith, attempts to exercise a possessed South American girl who claims to heal the sick. However, the exorcism goes wrong, and a lit candle sets fire to the girl's dress, killing her. Okay. That was funny. That was really funny, actually. <laughs> I, I laughed at that. And the, yeah. like, the way like, it cut to, like, I mean, how like, she was burning and she was going, and then like, it edited, like the edit just, Where's the clear it was room? just like, oh man, that was hysterical. Yeah. And then Richard Burton, um, by the way, like, who at one point before this movie was made was actually considered a very serious actor and had been in a lot of stuff. I think by this point in his career, he was taking a lot of bad roles and I th he was going through a pretty bad alcoholic like spell around this time. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that he was drunk during the making of this movie be because yeah, like the entire time he was in this film, he looked exhausted. He looked burnt out. His eyes were constantly watering. He looked, he looked like he didn't want to be here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so go on. <laughs> Uh, afterwards, Lamont is assigned by the Cardinal to investigate the death of Father Lancaster Marion, who had been killed four years earlier in the course of exorcising the Assyrian demon Pazuzu from Regan McNeil. Mm. Pazuzu. Yeah. <laughs> Just 
Ooh, okay. <laughs> Spooky. AKA Captain Howdy. Uh, the Cardinal informs Lamont, who has who has had some experience at exorcism and has been exposed to Marin's teachings that Marin mm. is facing posthumous heresy charges because of his controversial writings as church authorities are trying to modernize and do not want do not want to acknowledge that Satan exists. Okay. All right. So yeah, so this is kind of yeah, so now so at this point in the movie they're kind of bringing up the fact that like in the first movie it sort of was like a battle of like how like good and evil and how good can you overcome evil. You know, that's basically what the message of the first movie is. In the second movie they're trying to kind of make it seem like like good is is good and the evil like it's just a human design is a human element is a human concept so so that's sort of the the methodology that they're using for this film at least early on which makes sense in theory however it's a sequel to the exorcist which was very literal with the the message it was it was it was it had you know so if you're gonna make like a sequel and you're gonna already like start like from a scientific point of view, you're you're already headed for trouble, in in my opinion. I mean, in the first you know? one, they did the scientific approach at first. They did. They were first trying to diagnose Reagan. Yeah. So they did do the science versus religion thing again. Right, but in this, I feel like they kind of the actual like scientific part though. I felt like that was a like much more key part of the plot though. Yeah, it was more tangible and realist, not realistic at all. But yeah, like because even the the, the priest. Dude, the, the main priest guy was like he was telling the psychologist like you have proof the devil exists yeah. you have to tell everyone show everyone your work do it like he was trying to get this this psychologist to you know show everybody or you know let it out to the news that <clears throat> yeah that the devil exists and you can prove it you can you can prove it with your technology right which in the first movie when they were doing the science versus religion thing like it was about establishing the fact that the characters were in over their heads. Yeah. But in this movie, this movie totally just goes rogue and actually decides to make it part of the plot. <laughs> 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 anyway, so, so yeah, let's, so yeah, you can, you can tell us why if you'd like, <laughs> because uh, this is when the movie gets hilarious. <laughs> hilarious or boring as fuck? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Reagan, although now seemingly normal and staying with her guardian Sharon Spencer in New York City, continues to be monitored at a psychiatric institute by Dr. Jean Tuscan. Mm. Reagan claims that she... Re- yeah. Yeah. What's up? Oh, um, I was just going to mention, like, um, yeah, it was, it was like a center for, like, trauma victims or whatever. Yeah. And they kind of sort of pointed... I didn't... Like, it was weird. Okay. Well, well, because when Louise Fletcher showed up, the way she was talking, it, she was sort of talking to Reagan like she was like, um, like like she was crippled, even though she oh, oh she was the the main doctor. doctor, yeah. Who, by the way, Louise Fletcher, who, who did it? I mean, everybody knows her work in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and how good she was in that. It's terrible in this one, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, like unbelievably bad and of course the script doesn't really do her any favors but yeah i don't know not a very good hero 
And I was confused with the little guardian lady too. I was like, who the hell is this bitch? Oh yeah, Katie, Kitty, Kitty, Kitty Wynn, who was in the first movie. Oh, she was. Yeah, she she was in the first movie, but you probably don't remember her in the first movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because she really wasn't like actually an important part of the first movie. But in this movie, they kind of. It's almost like they're trying to make it seem like she was the mom or something. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought they couldn't get the mother actor back. Right. Ellen so Burstyn. Yeah. So they just wrote, uh, she's the guardian and the mom's off. Yeah. Doing business. Yeah. But really the character ends up being useless. Yeah. Like almost, she does pretty much nothing in this movie except die. But now I'm getting ahead of myself. Spoilers. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, go on. Uh, Reagan claims that she remembers nothing about her ordeal in Washington, D.C., mm. but, but Tuscan believes that her memories are repressed. Okay, so, so this is when things kind of get a little bit offbeat because up until this point in the film, it is clear that Regan has actually like, uh, moved on tremendously well, f- considering the fact that like, she'd been possessed by a demon that you know physically and sexually violated her she's actually doing a fantastic job moving on especially considering the fact that she doesn't even remember anything that any of the messed up shit that happened to her in the first film you know kudos to her um however so once it starts getting into the whole psychic thing well, okay. Again, now I'm now I'm starting to get ahead of my myself. I, what, so okay. I wanted to just know what was. So this came out in '77. Yeah. Exorcist was '73. Yeah. So that is a four-year gap. I guess. Yeah, that's about right. Because Regan was about 12, How, 11, 12 years old, I think, in the first film. Was she? Yeah. Because I was really confused. Because she did look that young, but like. Yeah. How old was Linda Blair? Uh, I think she was like ten when she was in the first really? movie. Yeah. So she was like fourteen in this. Uh, I think like fifteen or sixteen. Felt because if it, well, yeah, I but I was a little creeped out by. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't really notice, but like, I think uh, now that you're pointing it out, though, like, are you talking about like the dancing and the fact that she was always wearing like small blouses and stuff? Uh and like she I was mean, basically wearing a see-through blouse on one scene where she was sleepwalking, almost like when she was. Like almost walking off that building that she was at. Oh, okay. Like it was like, yeah, this is if she is. Like, I, guess she I mean, I guess where you, I see where you're coming from with like, 70s, with like, the... so I can't really tell the ages. <clears throat> like she looked old enough to be over eighteen, but I was like, I think I see where you're coming from with like the piano music and sort of like the like the like the sort of um, kind of dreamy quality and the and the way like she, like you said she's wearing like a thin blouse and the way it's shot is sort of cloudy and stuff. I could see how like maybe there's like one could sort of a, feel like a sexual vibe, but I and personally didn't. I, but, and the, mm-hmm. like when like near the end again, spoilers, that, yeah. like Reagan was trying, was the Pazuzu Reagan right. was getting the priest to mack on her straight up like oh yeah get with her like he, he was he had to fight oh, yeah. her off mentally and stuff but right he was like straight up making out and with her and shit <laughs> well you know i mean i've seen a lot of weird like 70s and 80s movies and even 90s movies where that kind of stuff happens and i don't know i try not to think about it personally yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just... i just thought it was weird because they did feel like she was wearing skimpy shit for 
someone to be 15. Yeah, she probably was, but I don't know. I guess the other thing, though, is Linda Blair. Like, she actually was in a lot of movies like that when she was young. She was in a lot of sort of more provocative type of films. And which is why, like, a lot of her films sort of have a cult following now. But that's also what sort of makes a lot of her early films, like, really uncomfortable, too. Like, movies like oh. Born Innocent and a lot of those, like, women in prison movies and stuff that she was in. Like, yeah. it, it, there is sort of a weird, uncomfortable vibe. And but was, And in this know. one, there was definitely a specific scene where she was dancing. Yeah. With a, a like, a just, a no, like, a low-cut top. Yeah. And no bra. Yeah. And, straight up it was fair i felt fairly sexualized it was like kind of creepy yeah well i mean the other the cool thing about linda blair though just in general like when she was younger and even like everything i've ever kind of seen her in she always sort of plays intelligent characters or characters that have some degree of like intelligence beyond their years like even her character in the first film um in in the exorcist she was a she was a likable girl you know she she had a kind of a chirpy personality and she you know but there was also sort of a a wit to her as well you know which there had to be you had to actually like her at the beginning of the movie so that when she gets possessed it's so much more horrific you know um but i think linda blair just generally is very good at playing like those kinds of roles and and just sort of was used to to being in in roles like that at that point i i'm not saying i agree with it or disagree with it right. I'm, I'm just saying i think it's more like a product of the time yeah definitely you know so yeah and i'm sure these days that could probably like throw off a lot of like modern viewers understandably so yeah. so but um okay so yeah we haven't even gotten to the <laughs> the, the inception so I got heavy, <laughs> in, I got heavy, heavy Inception vibes from this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm going to take my hoodie off. Uh, Father Lamont visits the Institute, but his attempts to question Regan about the circumstances of Father Marin's death are rebuffed by Dr. Tuscan, who believes that Lamont's approach would do more, would do Regan more harm than good. Uh, in an attempt to plumb her memories of the exorcism and specifically the circumstances which Marin, in which Marin died, Dr. Tuscan hypnotizes the girl to whom she is linked by a synchronizer, a revolutionary biofeedback device used by two people to synchronize their brainwaves. Hmm. Okay, so... Um... <laughs> this is where I lost my shit and i think this is where most people <laughs> lost their shit too because like i so when you read the wikipedia article the critical section they're describing people like la like laughing at the movie 20 minutes in and like fleeing from the theater and all this other stuff and i think it was about during this sequence that people started yeah because this i mean and i've seen a lot of like dumb movies and a lot of like dumb like italian films that just like have like the plot lines make no sense and the logic is just not consistent this is probably like one of the dumbest things i've ever seen in a horror movie that whole sequence where they're like hip under hypnosis yeah like i thought at first it was going to be like an ect treatment like that's what i thought too yeah but like no it was science fiction <laughs> yeah and straight up sci-fi and you know i i've actually so i'd seen this movie before 
Um, and I actually, believe it or not, I saw this movie before I saw the first one. Like, I, I forget exactly how old I was when I saw this, this Exorcist 2, The Heretic. I remember it was one of those movies, that, like one of those stock movies that they kind of just threw on on one of those channels like Showtime or HBO or something when they didn't have like anything else to show. Yeah, I think like the the Final Conflict, or the Omen 4 or one of those was another one that they would do that with. And But that's how I saw this movie. So I saw this movie before I saw the first one. And uh, like I... It, I had known that the first one was considered one of the scariest movies of all time. And so I, when I saw the second one, I was expecting it to be a horror movie, but it, I don't know. It's really more of a science fiction film, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. No, definitely. Yeah. There's yeah. almost no like possession shit at all. Yeah. Really. And I didn't even remember any of this stuff. I didn't remember any of the dream wave stuff. Like when I rewatched this. So but anyway you gotta get down to my tone yeah i'm down to my tone yeah and then they did that stupid like super imposition thing with the heart and the i just yeah and what struck me about that whole first time they did it is it was so long yeah slow yeah slow and long and i get i kind of get what they were doing because they did it in the first one yeah in the first one it worked yeah because there was actual tension with it yeah because you know there's a girl that's sick and messed up yeah and they're trying to figure it out and there's tension building yeah but this one we don't nothing seems to be going wrong no at all nothing really happens in the first 20 minutes other than the lady catching on fire yeah, yeah there's that and then it's just that was this happened throughout the whole movie which was like pissing me off yes yeah. long slow boring drawn out scenes that were obviously trying to recreate the, the longer slower drawn out but not boring more tense scenes of yeah. The i yeah that's that's the vibe that i got and it just but in this one it was like it was hilarious yeah. like how stupid it was i mean the logic really first of all okay so they're attaching these electrodes to their to their heads or whatever like okay is that all i mean isn't there more to it you look at the machine it looks like a box with a couple light bulbs on it like what (laughs) what what could possibly be like what could they possibly be using those electrodes for and then the fact that like they take this machine so seriously and yet when linda blair has to back out after louise fletcher appears to be having a heart attack father Marin just puts the machine on like it's nothing yeah. he's had no training whatsoever before with how it works he just automatically know how knows how it works like by default mm-hmm. with no like explanation nothing i mean the nurse chick that was there helped him she helped but she basically just did the same thing that louise fletcher already did yeah <laughs> and then and linda blair just basically spends the whole scene standing there looking confused i mean which is kind of the way I felt while I was watching it. <laughs> yeah. It was just, yeah. this is seriously what's happening. Yeah. I thought that it was going to end up being like a dream. Like I thought the characters were going to be, it, it was, they were going to wake up and that they were just dreaming about going into each other's dreams. Cause the idea was just too stupid to even be real. But it turns out that actually that that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that we're supposed to take this seriously. It, we're just supposed to accept somehow that somehow this science makes sense what okay fine <laughs> anyway all right uh, 
after a guided tour by Sharon of the Georgetown house where the exorcism took place, Lamont returns to be coupled with Reagan by the synchronizer. The priest is spirited to the past by Pazuzu mm. to observe Father Marin exercising a young boy, Kokumo, in Africa. All right. So that was interesting. So some of these parts I, I liked, um, mainly because of the sound design. What? <laughs> yeah, because the sound design was just so weird. I hated it. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but I like the sound design and I like the music. I actually found it really enchanting, you know? I hate it. And, which is fine you don't have to like it but like that that one shot though where the kid is like attacking the locust which doesn't really make sense because they're all over the place and it's not like he's hitting all of them or anything like that or even most of them yeah but i that image though that that felt like a genuinely dreamlike image you know like that that seemed like an image that i would dream about in a weird nightmare or something what i hated was the wailing of some <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> there was just wailing of yeah. somebody. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is awful. This yeah. hurts my ears. Yeah. They're just wailing. I think with the <laughs> Yeah. I think they're trying to go for like that hypnotic, like shaman-esque type of vibe, which they already killed it. They killed that vibe and with the whole dream machine thing. So I don't even know why they were bothering. But I think that's what the, that was the vibe they were going for. Um at first I found it annoying, but that eventually I started to kind of dig the quality. I did. I mean, obviously I didn't like it enough to actually like the movie, but I thought, okay, there's some vision here. There's some imagination, you know, there's some kind of like concept at least like I get the theme that they're going for at least. So, and then also when um, James Earl Jones, because they show the kid later, and it's James Earl Jones dressed like a cricket or or locust, whatever it was. He it didn't at first I thought it was a locust suit, but then the the way the, the body was shaped didn't look like a locust. So I thought, oh, he's a cricket. But anyway, when James Earl Jones showed up, that's kind of when the movie sort of went into the whole mystical mumbo jumbo shit. And that's when it I it lost me again. It's like <laughs> so I mean, that's the problem with this movie, is that it's trying to do too much thematically. And yet it, it, it spends so much time doing that that it, forgot, it forgets that it has a plot. Because while it's doing that, there's all this other shit going on with Linda Blair's character who some, somehow is able to like psychically cure a, a mute girl who is played by the late Dana Plato. I think that might've been her first performance. Uh, and, and like, you also have like the stuff going on with Sharon who's, She's mostly just being a giant bitch. Like, <laughs> like everything, she doesn't have anything positive to say about anybody. You know, the whole time she's complaining about the fact that she's had to like take care of Linda Blair's character. And yet she's also talking about the fact that she was traumatized by Linda Blair's character and how, he, how she hates her. And yet at the same time, how her life is totally devoted to her. It's like, make up your mind. Like, what's the deal? And then also when she's seeing her on stage, by the way, I'm sorry I'm kind of skipping around through the Wikipedia article, but like at this point, I guess it doesn't matter. When she's watching her on stage, like she seems kind of happy for her, you know, like, okay, finally, like she's like, you know, doing her thing and nothing weird is happening, which of course, that's the moment when <clears throat> Richard Burton's character, father, um, whatever, um, ends up getting swarmed. Like, 
uh, and then like in the next scene, she's complaining to Louise Fletcher's character again about how much of a bitch Reagan is. It's like, okay, whatever. I, I guess, I guess the character is like, just does whatever she feels like doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I, I yeah, I did not get that character at all. Yeah. Like, what's the point of her? I didn't get what they were going for. And she's actually a good actor. That's the thing. She's totally wasted. Totally wasted in this movie. This whole movie has a lot of good actors in it and they're all wasted. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. So where were we? I don't know. Do you even want to? <laughs> Is there much more to say? It's hard to even. There's like... two more paragraphs. Okay, cool. I mean, you just yeah. want me to speed through them? <laughs> uh, you, can, you can read them. Let's see if it jars something loose, just in case. Uh, learning that the boy develops special powers to fight Pazuzu, who appears as a swarm yeah. of locusts. Lamont journeys to Africa, defying his superior to seek help from the adult. Kokumo. Right. Kokumo has become a scientist studying how to prevent locust swarms. Yeah. Lamont learns that Pazuzu attacks people who have psychic healing ability. Okay. Regan is able to reach telepathically inside of the minds of others. She uses this to help an autistic girl to speak, for instance. Uh, Father Marin, who belongs to a group of uh, theologians. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, believed psychic powers were a spiritual gift which would one day be okay. shared by all people uh, thought people ah, like okay. Kokumo and Regan were forerunners of this new type of humanity in a vision Marin asked Lamont to watch over Regan okay so so this is kind of so this is the movie kind of trying to um, establish things that weren't established in the first film so this is post-establishment which is what this is something that a lot of sequels do. Uh, didn't really fit this one, to be honest, because it was kind of contrary to how Father Marin's character was in the first one. But at the same time, again, I like that they're trying to do something at least a little bit positive with the idea of like psychicness and clairvoyance and all that stuff. But then the problem is twofold because she synchronized, so she didn't synchronize with Father Marin during the hypnosis thing. She synchronized with Louise Fletcher, but then later on, when she synchronized with the the priest guy, the Richard Burton's character, and he's getting attacked, and she's experiencing like his whatever his blows. Like, okay, so then does that mean that the psychic machine is not really a good idea for Reagan to be hooking herself up to? I mean. There's just, they didn't really establish that, That's I guess. I you know? Maybe, uh, okay. Because when she was dancing, too, she was getting fucked up. Yeah. By psychic. Because that's when, what's his face? I don't know. Yeah, the, the Richard Burton character, when he yeah, was getting he was chased. Getting yeah. Fucked up. She got mental, she got hit, too. Yeah. She was being linked without the machine. Okay. So this is, an, so it's interesting because this movie is so science oriented, and yet this whole plot could have been prevented if Reagan hadn't listened to the scientist. Yeah. <laughs> okay well anyway and i did learn about crickets and locusts i guess oh yeah there's a good like is that true is, all that, is that how locusts are formed i mean as far as i know uh there's a good like 10 minute chunk of the movie where it started 
almost turns into well maybe not 10 minutes but pretty it felt like 10 minutes let's let's be real it was like a nice little chunk of the movie where suddenly it turns into a nature documentary james earl jones goes all richard attenborough on us explains the the history of locusts and the mysteries behind the way they communicate which was interesting but not really necessary to the plot (laughs) so they so bad crickets rub their wings against other crickets yeah which turns them into locusts yeah it's it it switch it it, they swap personalities basically yeah and that's that's what turned crick i didn't even know crickets and locusts were the same creature yeah they're the same breed and uh but it just it ended up kind of falling apart though because as cool as it was it didn't really have any relevance to what happened afterward at all what i i drew the parallel of because yeah uh james earl jones was studying them trying to like like what we're doing now with mosquitoes making anti-mosquitoes to kill off all mosquitoes he said he had that one locust yeah that was a good locust that when it rubs against other bad locusts it turns them back into crickets or good locusts turns off that crazy thing yeah and i think that's they're trying to parallel that good locust to reagan right and make that she rubs against demons and makes them not demons i mean that that makes sense in theory but then why were there two reagans i don't know (laughs) (laughs) all right cool all right because that that really didn't make any sense i I mean it just i don't know it it felt like there was a lot of exposition that was missing that would have explained it when there were two reagans i thought they were in like a dream state dream sequence dreamscape yeah mind like not in the real reality well that's what i thought too but then it kept on cutting to reagan trying to talk to the um well okay so she goes on an airplane because he's like in a well okay you may as well just read the rest of the summary (laughs) (laughs) because yeah we're getting to it anyway so uh lamont and reagan return to the old house in georgetown the pair are followed in a taxi by Tuscan and Sharon, who are concerned about Regan's safety. En route, Pazuzu tempts Lamont by offering him unlimited power, appearing as a succubus, who is a doppelganger of Regan. Yeah, uh, the sexified Regan. Succubus. Yeah. I guess uh, it's better than what she did to did in the first movie, then. <laughs> but we don't talk about that anyway go on uh the taxi crashes into the georgetown house killing the driver but his passengers survive and enter the house where sharon sets herself on fire uh although lamont initially succumbs to the succubus uh is brought back by reagan and attacks her doppelgamer uh while a swarm of locusts deluge the house uh, which begins to crumble around them uh, okay. Yep. However, right. Lamont manages to kill the doppelganger by beating open its chest and pulling out its heart. In the end, Reagan banishes the locusts and Pazuzu by enacting the same bull roar ritual attempted by Kokumo to get rid of locusts in Africa. Mm-hmm. Outside the house, Sharon dies from her injuries, and Tuscan tells Lamont to wash over Reagan. Reagan and Lamont leave while Tuscan stays to answer police questions. Okay. All right. So Sharon, the way she died was pretty funny because she's all burnt up. She's all wrapped in a blanket. She's like, 
That's hilarious. (laughs) I didn't get it. She was possessed, I'm assuming, somehow. Uh, She was acting fucking weird after the crash. Well, that's the thing. Like, what was she doing? She got out of the car. She was like in a daze, almost like she was hypnotized. Yeah, I thought she was like possessed. By who she was hypnotized by. I'm clueless. Like, I'm totally clueless. The doctor who was like pinned in or whatever. Yeah. She just kind of. And she didn't even need to be there, to be honest. Like, why would, in fact, why would she even go back in the first place? Like, when Louise Fletcher says, oh, I'm going to go, I got to go to the house. And then she's like, I'll go with you. But what, like, in, like, about an hour ago, wasn't she talking, talking about the fact that she was traumatized by the experience that she had in that house and, like, wanting to move on and all this stuff and, like, I, I mean, I guess she was already involved anyway, but she really didn't need, need to be. Like, she kind of just got in the way. And then she died, so it was pointless anyway. Like, why even put her in the movie? Like, know. why was she even a character? I don't know. <laughs> I was wondering that the whole time. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Like, you, 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 I mean, decisions like that are really what sink a movie like this, because this is a two-hour-long movie almost. If you had cut out a character like that, you could have easily shaved off a good like 20 minutes. And it would have been a more concise thing. You know, it's it's stuff like that that ruins movies like this. Because I, I'm not gonna say that this film is a total waste of time. I mean, I think it's a piece of garbage. I think it's actually like really lame. But I there were there are some things about it that I admire. Like I admire the ambition i i I like the fact that it's trying to have a positive message i i like the fact that regan ends up basically saving the day and it's just kind of a nice sort of change in pace change of pace considering that like she spent the whole movie being victimized the the whole first movie being victimized and the second movie she actually plays like a strong hero even though she's not really a hero and even though she's really kind of a side character in her own movie, she does end up basically doing the only important things. Um, but like, I don't know. I think it's, it's, a, it's an example of a movie that had too big a budget and the people who made it didn't, they had so much money and they didn't know how to like really appropriately dispense it or utilize it. You know, this is what happens when you have too big a budget and you don't know how to use it properly. So So not a good movie at all, and especially not a good horror movie for the 70s either. Oh, hell no. Um, It wasn't a horror at all, really. Yeah, it it most definitely deserves its its poor reputation as being one of the worst sequels of all time. Although Martin Scorsese is a defender of it. Uh, yeah on the wikipedia (laughs) page it says that he actually thinks the second movie is scarier than the first one or that it's a better movie or something like that like i i somewhere on there it says that and i'm just i'm i'm just very like confounded i must say because martin scorsese like it it is that martin scorsese we're talking about yeah too much cocaine (laughs) I guess so. I mean, I I think the people who wrote this movie probably, um, I think that they uh, probably were on drugs. I think John Borman may have been on drugs. I, I, it's possible that to be that the people who wrote it might have been on good drugs, like shrooms or something. <laughs> but then you get John Borman involved, who has his own weird vision and his own sort of delusions, 
what he typically does. He did that Zardoz movie with Sean Connery, which would be an interesting one to talk about on the show. But yeah, I think he was on drugs when he made this. But anyway, what were you saying? Oh, I, I found the uh, Scorsese thing. Ah, yes. Okay, what's it say? Uh, director Martin Scorsese asserted, the picture asks, does great goodness bring upon itself great evil? This goes back to the book of Job. It's God testing the good. In this sense, Regan is a modern day saint like Ingrid Bergman in Europa 51. <laughs> and in a way like Charlie in Mean Streets. I like the first exorcist because of the Catholic guilt I have and because it scarred the hell out of me or scared the hell out of me, sorry. Uh, but the heretic surpasses it. Maybe Borman failed to execute the material, but the movie still deserved better than it got. Okay, so he has like a spiritual, he, he, he has a spiritual, he has a fondness for the spiritual themes. So that makes sense. So, so I, could, I could imagine some people, you know, maybe appreciating those elements. And I guess Martin Scorsese is one of them. Um, I, however, did not. No. no. So. Yeah. Right. Is there anything else you guys want to say? Or? Oh, uh, yeah. When they were doing that fucking crevice crevice crawl oh yeah that didn't make any sense either no there's the funniest like (laughs) i wonder if it was like what i thinking back if they were trying to make another stairway scene yeah but it was in the middle of the fucking movie yeah and like there were about a dozen different shots of this guy falling down a dozen different ways yeah Yeah. that was great like one was just him like ah like standing on a green screen yeah from the top one was a rag dog and chucked down a crevice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like from 40 different angles. It I lasted it. like three minutes of a guy just falling down a crevice like fucking Gandalf and fucking Lord of the Rings. That was Zara. like, what the fuck? That was so, so funny. <laughs> at first I thought they were, so yeah, at first I thought they were trying to be funny because he was like, no, 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 you know, <laughs> but then it like kept he going. He was like bouncing off, he was like just fucking ba- ba- bouncing off the walls. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just not like, going down at all. He wasn't falling. He was just like bouncing like fucking yeah. up- bouncy balls smacking the walls like, Whoa. and i'm watching this and i'm like wait what are they trying to do like a laurel and hardy thing like what's going oh wait no that what those make this is exorcist 2 we're talking what the fuck are they doing like i was so confused yeah. it was hilarious though and i loved also how i don't know there's a fire at one point and the priest tried to put it out with a crutch yeah yeah that's <laughs> Okay, man. Didn't work. <laughs> that would not work. Yeah. I also thought it was pretty funny how Richard Burton, like, he was talking to James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones was like, "You gotta, you know, you gotta be have faith. You know, walk, walk to me or whatever." He immediately steps like directly on like the biggest spike like ever. It goes like right through his foot, <laughs> and then suddenly it turns into a fever dream, and he has a flashback of James Earl Jones in a lab suit talking about yeah, crickets. I didn't get what that was. <laughs> I was confused. The Exorcist to the Heretic. <laughs> yeah, a nice little quote from her was, oh, yeah. "I was possessed by a demon." It's okay, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was when she was talking to the the, the girl, the autistic um, girl played by Dana Plato. Yeah. Like she was like, "What's wrong with you?" She's like, "Oh well, I was possessed by a demon," and she gives her a look like, "Uh oh, what? Uh, like." Are you serious? It's like, oh, oh, don't worry. 
he's gone. <laughs> like it's like things like that where I don't think they were trying to be funny, but it just it, you can't you can't say a line like that seriously. You just can't. Like, Exorcist Two: The Heretic is a is a disaster of a movie. Um, it I would say it's it's a little bit more interesting. I'd say as as far as movies go, it, I think it's a little too interesting to be on the bottom one hundred personally. But having said that, I still think it's a pretty atrocious movie, and I would still give it a one out of five. Um, ambitious ambitions aside, um, that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see the point of it not being, but it was so boring. Yeah, it was almost either just long, drawn out boringness. Yeah, which I think is a, a pacing issue. And I can't think of too many positives except for the goofies just the stupid goofy shit that was just dumb yeah that didn't make a good movie i really did like the score though by neil morricone i fucking hated that wailing yeah. <laughs> off so much yeah there was a lot it of it yeah. so much i was like no yeah it happens even when in scenes where like it's not even happening like where yeah. it's not even in that location yeah. like it's where they're just, just driving it's just happening throughout the entire movie yeah like, oh, yeah they were tra- like i said I, i'm pretty sure they were trying to make it dream like they're trying to like have the scenes sort of fade together and almost like it's almost like have the whole movie feel like the scenes are sort of um that they're all kind of taking place on the, in the same like dimensional plane. That's the vibe that. they're going for, but it just didn't work. You know, it's, it's like, it's just too like abrasive. Yeah. Maybe if they toned it down a little, yeah, it would have worked. But it was just like loud and abrasive. This, this movie definitely could have used a lot more subtlety, and that's and that's hilarious too, considering that it's a sequel to a movie that it's. A, I mean, it's a legendary horror movie, but it's it, the first movie. Sure as hell was not subtle to begin with. This movie makes the first movie look like an Alfred Hitchcock suspense thriller. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on it? It was not good. It was boring. <laughs> one, one star. Yeah. One star. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. I dig what they're going for. But just wasn't wasn't for me, and it wasn't for you guys, obviously either. So, All right. and with that, that that concludes our Exorcist to the Heretic episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Ninety eight. Yeah. Ninety seven. Fingers crossed. It'll be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we say too much, we'll leave it at that. Bye. See ya. Later.